Well, good morning, Mount Clear Church of Christ. How are you going on this beautiful Sunday? Another Sunday in Ballarat, another Sunday around the globe, and welcome to all those that are listening and watching wherever you may be. Now, last week, um, most of you would know, I think, uh, I made the comment at the end of the sermon that no one had actually found the minty, but I was corrected and I was led in the right direction. And someone, in fact, did find the minty that we had hidden. So, Kaz... Uh, you know who you are. We've got um, tickets coming out to you shortly as cinemas begin to open this week, I believe. Uh, also, there is another minty, not this one, hidden somewhere for you to find. Uh, don't make it your sole objection during the, during the sermon, but hey, have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, it's really so good to be with you today. And again, um, both Mel and I just want to Thank you, our church, our family, our congregation, just for the outstanding work that you've been doing. It's really difficult in times like this when we're disconnected face to face, particularly for those that still have health concerns, to be able to love on one another. But I just think we've done that exceptionally well. So thank you. Uh, I continue to challenge you. If you've not reached out, stretched out, uh, phoned up, text dropped off yelled out if you've not done any of that to somebody else within our church family why don't you do it this week why don't you call someone that you haven't called why don't you say hey how are you going just thought i'd ring and see how life's life's traveling for you why don't you do that just see how you feel after it because i guarantee you when you're feeling your worst and you want to disconnect from everyone around you that's the exact perfect time that you actually need to reach out to them so apart from all that i want to jump into the word we're going to pray i'm going to continue on what we were talking about last week on counting the cost i figure while we're being stretched and torn apart and cut and pruned for the kingdom we may as well keep going uh, because at the end of the day one thing i know is i want to be more like jesus and so if that requires some cutting and some pruning even some uncomfortable stuff then why not hey so father we just thank you for another opportunity to be able to share your word we thank you god that we can get together lord even in this time of isolation and separation and everything else that's going on with COVID 19 father we pray for health we pray for goodness but we pray for you holy spirit to move to have your way to cut us to prune us to shape us to mold us more and more into the image of your son jesus lord at the end of it all I pray that our love for you would be greater than, Lord, even before any of this season started. But we thank you, we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Or at least I hope so. So, I hope everyone did all right with last week's sermon, because the truth is that the Word of God can really be difficult at times. It is, it is tough. It really can be very tough. And, and we finished last week by asking ourselves if, if Jesus was... And he is for us the pearl of great price. If he actually is this treasure that, that's been hidden in the field that we've found, would we, would you and I, would we actually sell anything and everything, give all that we've got just to him, for him, just to get hold of him? Would we actually do that? And I, I, I think I want to lead by saying the truth and reality of it all is that Jesus is worthy. He is worthy of all our adoration. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our sacrifice. He is more than worthy of anything that we have or will have to give up. He is more than worthy of anything or, or for that matter, anything that we've lost or that we will lose for him, anything that we sacrifice to get closer to him. He is truly worthy. And... It, 
If that's true, then there are a couple of things that we have to weigh up along the whole journey of our faith. And I guess first we need to start by understanding that he lives in us. And I imagine that most of us that are watching or listening today acknowledge that. Yes, Jesus actually is and he does live inside of us. But then there's his manifest presence and his manifest presence is actually different. See, his manifest presence actually falls on a people. And when his manifest presence falls, often you can't stand in that presence. His manifest presence actually gives us the strength we need in times of need. His manifest presence reminds us that that he's with us and that he will always go before us. Amen. And you see, to live this life as his sons and daughters requires something for us, from us and when we're able to give to sacrifice to step into a space where that actually occurs i guarantee you it's those moments where his manifest presence is the strongest and it's not something that we have to give up all the time we don't we don't have to do that in our faith you know let's face it our our eternity is assured he's paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross but there are times you know Every once in a while, there's a, a cost, a, a risk, if you like, you know, where the possibility of losing something is real, but it propels us into a place that God moves and, and has his way. You know, when we sacrifice something in the natural, it actually releases something in the supernatural. You know, if you want to see the supernatural move in your life, release something in the natural for him. Let go of something so you can grab hold of something. You know, there's a cost to follow Jesus. There's a cost for you and I to walk in the supernatural. But the outcome cannot be measured, yeah? The outcome, we spoke about some of it last week. The return on our investment is simply off the charts insane, isn't it? You know, it says in James chapter 1, verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure... Um, testing and temptation and it goes on to say afterward they will receive the crown of life that god has promised to those who love him so if you and i if we count the cost if you count the cost today if you count the cost tomorrow when the time comes if we endure the trials and the tribulations afterward we will receive the crown of life and I don't know if you actually pick, pick it up, but what James says, who is it that actually gets his crown of life? He says, those who love God. So James actually compares those who patiently endure with those that love him. You just think about that for a moment. Food for thought. Yeah? Those who love God, he actually aligns with those who will endure. Those who have counted the cost. I mentioned last week that and we spoke about, even with faith a few weeks ago, geez, didn't we have some great messages with faith a few weeks ago? Um, Jesus knows all our idols. He knows everyone's idol. He, he actually knows perfectly what's competing in our hearts for affection that should be his. He already knows. And he sees right into our heart. And, and he knows that to follow him will at times cost us something. He knows that. So what will it cost you and I to follow Jesus, church, friends, you know, family? What will it actually cost you to follow Jesus? I said last week, and I'll say again that I even said it before, you know, some of Jesus' words are really tough. You know, I can often joke that sometimes it's easier when you've got a paper Bible just to rip a page out. Um, I, I don't mean that in a way because I don't 
honour the word or revere the word of God. It's the living word. It is Jesus on paper, really. It's God on paper. But some words can be so tough for you and I as we walk out this faith. you know. But if we count the cost, when the time comes, he takes what is natural and he makes it supernatural. You know, the cost of following Jesus means that you and I as his disciples will sometimes, we'll need to put him above the nearest and dearest to us, yeah? The cost of following Jesus means that as his disciple, we need to value following him above life itself. The cost of following Jesus means that as his disciples, we sometimes will need to put him above our material possessions. Yes, even the Xbox. <laughs> the cost of following Jesus means that as his disciples, we put his interests above our own. There is a cost. But if we can say, I'll follow you no matter what, you've got to see, church, you've got to see what happens. There is something so beautiful when we are walking in, with Jesus, but not just like a hobby, not like that. When he is our everything, the, the amazing happens, the supernatural happens, the outstanding happens. God shows up and it leaves us standing in total awe of him. You know, today, it's not about showing us what we're not doing or what we could be doing. It's, it's actually acknowledging and seeing that there's more, that there's more in this life you know, with him, you know, that if we actually grab hold of this truth that we could not only know more, but we could experience more. And, you know, I know I've said before that you can have all the knowledge in all the world about Jesus, about God, about the, his death and resurrection. But if you don't experience him, then, it, then it's boring and it's dead. If he's truly alive, then I, I want to experience him. And I want to experience him daily. I want to have experiences with him that I can share with my family, my friends, our family, Mount Clear Church of Christ with Ballarat, with Victoria, with the world. You know, I want to show you if I can, you know, just with the time that we've got left, just by looking at some men and women of God, you know, what happens when we step out in faith? What happens when we count the cost? Because it steps us into a place where miracles, they just happen. A.W. Tozer has one of the most outstanding quotes that I've ever heard. And it's, we can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day, but remember, at the time, they didn't know they were heroes. Oh, I love that. We can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day, but remember, at the time, they didn't know that they were heroes. You know, the difference, they counted the cost. And they went for it, yeah? In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, and, and I'll read most of it to 25. You know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abnego. And it says that they replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I love this, right? Here's some guts right here. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty. So there's still respect. There's still honour, even for the leadership and government of the day, that we will never serve your gods or worship the God statue that you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abnego that his face became distorted with rage. I'm just thinking, I wonder if my wife's ever seen that face. Anyway, he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. 
And then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as the three men were thrown in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. And verse 24 says, But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed, exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. You know, Mount Clear, these men, they counted the cost. They were prepared to lose their life in the name of Father God. So when you and I truly count the cost to make his name great, he will meet us right where we are because they counted the cost of their faith and they were ready to lose everything, even their lives. And who meets them in the middle of their trial? God does. Smack in the middle of their fire, God does. And you and I, right in the middle of our trial, God will meet us there if we are prepared to walk with him no matter what. You know, in the natural, they should have burned and died. In the supernatural, they had an encounter with God. And it changes the outcome. And the supernatural happens. You know, when we suffer for Jesus, we will find his presence in our sufferings. Even in a fiery furnace... I mean, think about it, even in a fiery furnace, even in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, and you know what I love about this scripture? Because most people don't see it. But when they were thrown into the fire, they just didn't sit and wait for their bodies to combust and burn like in a really good movie. Right? They didn't do that. You know, they didn't wait for their skin to melt and fall off and then just give up. The Bible says they walked. They walked in the fire. I mean, this is really good stuff. They walked in the fire. They didn't stand still. They were going to keep on going no matter what. You know, how many of us have missed our destiny? How many of us have missed our encounter with the living God? Because in the middle of our fire, we've stopped. Yeah? Sometimes in the middle of our trials, you and I, we just need to keep going. Don't sit. Don't do it. Don't sit. Don't wait for what, what seems to be the inevitable. Trust what Father God has in store. Trust that Papa has got your back. You know, walk and keep walking with your head lifted high. Count the cost and trust Daddy and keep walking. Just keep walking, even when it's hurting. Because he's about to meet you right where you're at in that place. You know... God has no choice than to meet with his children that are fully surrendered. He has no choice. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 15 on, In the evening the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know according to the law of Moses and the Persians, no law that the king's signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested, thrown into the den of lions. The king said, May... Your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. And then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. 
He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's dead. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, and he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he trusted in his God. And then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them, tore them apart, before they even hit the floor of the den. Wow, that would take some CGI graphics. Daniel... Daniel knew the risk when he prayed to our God, to his God. He knew the risk, and yet he still did what he always did. He never shunned from that. He never closed, didn't pull down the curtains of his window. He still prayed at his window where he could be seen. He counted the cost to make God's name great. Into the lion's den he was thrown, and out of the lion's den he walked. You know, in the natural, he should have been eaten. Yeah, pieces, bones left. But in the supernatural, he had an encounter with an angel sent by God in the middle of his trial. God saved him in the middle of his trial. Not only did God save him, but then God was exalted in that whole nation. His name was made great in that entire nation. And there are times that I think you and I, we don't profess our faith or speak of our faith for fear of offending others. Sometimes to make Jesus' name great, we have to count the cost of what's about to happen. Proclaim it. Don't deny it. You and I are children of the living God, seated in heavenly places with him. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? You know, there are times that we could probably yeah, just be able to say, look, I don't agree, but today let me share something. I don't want to be a spiritual nut. But here's my slant on the situation. You know, I long to see Father God do mighty things in me and through me for those around me. You know, and if that's you, if you long to have Father God do mighty things in you and through, through you for those around you, then maybe, just maybe count the cost. Yeah, give up something that you know you need to give up in the natural so that the supernatural can happen. Start walking in your original design as a son and daughter of the living God. You have re been redeemed by the death on the cross. Yeah, the resurrection out of the tomb. You and I are brand new creation. You know, we need to be able to walk in our true identity. We need to be able to say to Father God, no matter what, you know, I am ready and I am willing. Use me. Use me. A heart that is completely and utterly fully surrendered. God cannot but meet with those that are fully surrendered. In Acts chapter 7, verses 54 to 60, it says the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him and in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honour at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honour at God's right hand. 
They put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city, began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Man, this is such a powerful, powerful example, isn't it? So Stephen has just finished pointing out some of the wrongs over the years. Times when they missed, ignored, even killed those that were sent by God. He was talking to the priests, the Pharisees. He was talking to the Jews and, and they were furious. And so here he is, in, he's in trouble and they're about to kill him. And smack in the middle of his trouble, he still couldn't remain silent. He could have been more subtle, but Stephen counts the cost. And he just tells it the way it is and they drag him out to kill him. But look what happens right in the middle of this trial. I just love it. Jesus turns up and he, was full, he has this full-blown encounter with the Son of God. And he told him, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man. He goes, I see it. I see it. He's standing in the place of honour at God's right hand. It's like God had split the heavens open so that Stephen could see it in his time of trial, in his time of need. How many of us have missed our visitation? How many of us have missed the manifest presence of God because we've not been willing to sacrifice, to count the cost? God can't help. He cannot help but meet with those that are fully, fully surrendered to him. You know, John Wesley was born in 1703. He died in 1791. And they say he was the main player in starting the first great awakening, yeah? Here's a quote from John Wesley. I put myself wholly into thy hands. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. I wish it wasn't in King James. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or trodden underfoot for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all the things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily resign all to thy pleasure and disposal. Here's a man that said, I am willing. Here's a man that said yes to Jesus. Here's a man that said, all to God, I surrender. He's a man that said, yes, I will follow you. Wherever you go, I will follow. Whatever comes my way. He counted the cost and he stepped from the natural into the supernatural. He chose to make Jesus' name great. You know, they say John Wesley rode over 250,000 miles, yeah, miles on horseback to preach. They say that he even figured out a way yeah, to read, read the, the scriptures of the day yeah, while he was riding a horse. He preached over 40,000 sermons. He, he published over 5,000 books and sermons. He helped the sick. He helped schools. He helped orphanages. He injured his ankle when he was walking across the London Bridge. He, he, he couldn't even stand. So he preached on his knees for the next few days. Preached on his knees. For the next few days. Making a couple of calls. You know this week doesn't seem so tough does it? <laughs> well. Here's the cost he, he paid. He married a woman named Mary Vaziel. But she became bitter and resentful of his ministry. And she left him a few years later. And the church leadership at the time considered him and his gift to be of little value. Because he was separated, divorced, yeah? People opposed him. They criticised him. Many clergymen, ministers, locked him out of their churches. They didn't want him. Others tried to destroy his ministry. 
Others tried to kill him. But do you remember that quote from A.W. Tozer? We can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day. But remember, at the time, they didn't know they were heroes. (laughs) The reward is always greater than the sacrifice. You know, Heidi Baker, some of you may know Heidi Baker, her and her husband, Roland, have a a magnificent work in Mozambique, Africa, called the the Iris Global Movement. They've planted over 10,000 churches, you know, in over 10 years. And her mantra is to live in utter dependence of God. Because like I said, those that are totally surrendered, God cannot, he has to meet with them. And she has said this, anyone who discovers who he is would give everything. He is the pearl of great price. He's the lover of our souls. Once you see him, you'll give everything. Absolutely everything. You know, Heidi was in the US for a conference. She she has paid a price. And she had this powerful vision where God said that there'll always be enough. I've died for you. There will always be enough. And she goes back to Mozambique imagining how they're going to, you know, save multitudes of children. But when she goes back, she finds that officials had closed their orphanage. They weren't allowed to worship. Someone had even, you know, beaten the children while they were away in the US. And someone had actually placed a dollar value contract on her life. But she refused to stop. Children kept coming to their apartment, to her and her husband's apartment. And the US Embassy sent food, enough for the two of them. And they took their food and they prayed for it and they fed over 100 children. (laughs) Real life miracles because they were prepared to count the cost, prepared to pay the price. Now the reward is always greater than the sacrifice. Total surrender has become part of her life. Will it become part of our lives? When the time comes... When we get poked and prodded, when the question arises, when people ask about our faith and our Jesus, will we count the cost? You know, the life that God desires for us, that he's destined for us, that he's purposed for us, it actually awaits us all. You know, when we count the cost, we have to remember that it's to make Jesus' name great. You know, I want to finish because we're out of time but 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 to 12 the message version Paul writes this if you only look at us you might well miss the brightness we carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives that's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us as it is there's not much chance of that you know for yourself that we're not much to look at we've been surrounded and battered by troubles We're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are a constant risk for Jesus' sake which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting on in on the best. You know, we can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day, but remember at the time, they didn't know they were heroes. Lisa Bevere says, open up the word of God today. Hold fast to it. Stay the course. Live your faith out with your actions. Heroes of faith are made one day of faithfulness at a time. Father, we just thank you today, Lord God, for your word. 
And we pray, God, that it would continue to cut like a double-edged sword. But, Lord, more so, we pray that you would shape us more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus. Lord God, may these words today make us better than we were yesterday as we walk with you, trust in you, and our love for you grows. And we thank you for your Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and for you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen. No, no, no silliness after. You can be a hero. Isn't there a song? <laughs> I remember that movie, that, that TV show. Anyway, heroes. American hero. That's right. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the, the word.